Thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Global Conversations. I'm Andre Darmanin from Urban Equity Consulting Services. And today we're talking about racism to inclusion. How do we get there? With over 26 years of experience speaking for Fortune 500 companies such as HP, Starbucks, Microsoft, and Goldman Sachs, my guest Jolene Jang has developed highly engaging programs promoting stronger teams. Jolene has attracted the attention of all the local stations and national news such as Oprah, Today Show, Good Morning America, and 50 other news outlets. Wow, that's a lot. And so, you know, I was introduced to Jolene by a EDI uh, classmate of mine, EDI in the workplace uh, classmate of mine, uh, KG Kujo, uh, who both of them worked at the Girl Scouts. And, uh, and they, you know, and they said this about Jolene. So, you know, Jolene, tell us well, more yeah. about your <laughs> Let me just, jump in it and just yeah, brag just about Just go KG. ahead, just go ahead, just go, Let go. Let me share about, about KG. So yeah. KG um, saw me present at one of my um, anti-Asian, stop Asian hate presentations. I've done um, hundreds of them. And so she joined my group, my Asian allies group. And so this is a Facebook group where people are committed to listen and actively support people of Asian and Pacific Islander descent. And so we had this one-on-one -on -one conversation when they was working at the, um, KG was working at the Girl Scouts. And I said, hey, what about a Girl Scout pat, badge or patch about, you know, about stop Asian hate or Asian Americans? And KG said, yeah. And so it is done. So KG put it together and how the Girl Scouts works is they have these different merit badges and patches. Uh, they even have mechanics and STEM programs. But I said, hey, how about this Asian American? And so um, KG put it together. So now uh, Girl Scouts have this multicultural um, badge and Asian American is a piece of it is that patch. And so they will, there are all these activities from um, kindergarten through high school of activities where they can earn and learn about Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. And Girl Scouts is, is US based, but it's a global group and they have another partner. And so there's 10 million, Andre, 10 million Girl Scouts and across. Yeah, I mean, isn't that across 146 countries wow. and 50 million um, have gone through the program. So that's, that is a win. So that's allyship right there. Thank you, KG. Yeah, no, that was a that was a great uh, story that you mentioned with KG. I mean, you know, first of all, thinking about KG in my class, she was very vocal, very energetic, and and I remember her being that way. And it seems like you know the relationship that you two had, uh, you know, it it resonated with you, and you know, you've worked together, and you know, it's the power of allyship here. Right. Yes. But also something else that you had mentioned, which is kind of the conversations I've had in the past, is about multiculturalism, something that we talk about here more in Canada than you do in the US when it comes to the melting pot of, of nationalities. And, I, and, you know, we've had conversations about this previously about, you know, Asian American people in in um, uh, in the US versus uh, Asian Asian and South Asian community in, in Canada in terms of the neighborhood, the structure, the community itself, first generation multiple generations etc in, in both countries so so there's so much involved here uh, and and i'm grateful to have this conversation uh jolene you want to add something to that um i was just going to say you know as we talk about racism and inclusion it's you know problem solving is is the process i'm using is pretty simple i mean the idea of uh raising awareness 
if you don't know what the, there is a problem, um, which Americans do not know, uh, then you have to you have to raise awareness. And number two, deepen understanding. Um, try and share stories so people can connect with it. And number three, agree that oh, that's a problem that we should change. Yes. And number four, move to action. So that's the you know the simple process that I use. Um, and it should be simple, but it's not. And let me give you an example. Uh, so you may have heard recently that Japan is proposing a bill against upskirting. Um, mm. I don't know if you've heard about that. So that's recent. Yes. And, and I am up, you know, I'm aware of this because this happened to me. So, um, mm. so upskirting is a hobby. It's a hobby, a sport, um, and a job where usually men um, take videos and pictures underneath um, clothing. They also mm -hmm. call it down blousing. So this is kind mm -hmm. of a, a thing that's been along the way for a long time, even before the internet. And so this happened to me. I was upskirted in 2001 in Seattle, um, oh. in Seattle, Washington, shadow of the Space Needle. And, and so um, after I chased the guy, um, unfortunately, guess what? It was legal. Andre, this dude could just video up my skirt and toddlers and then sell it. So oh, what I did is, yeah, so I heard that that was okay to do. And I'm like, uh, -uh no. So I raised awareness and um, got people to understand. So I shared my story, number one. And so I was on all the media, local and, and news across the nation and some international as well. And then the idea of getting some buy-in, they can't maybe relate to me because I'm Asian. So, mm -hmm. however, and I'm female, so, hey, do you have a sister? Do you have a mom? Do you have a daughter? This could be happening. How is, you know, how would that impact them? And so, of course, this is wrong. And then step number four, move to action. So I always had this, hey, write into your email into your legislators. And so at the time, this is 2002, when this passed, when the Washington state law passed, this was the fastest piece of uh, bill legislation that have gone through um, in Washington state ever. And it was because we went through this simple process. Um, it was not fun, um, but I think it was like six or eight months. And so that's kind of done. And mm. now there are 42 states have followed through. So it's all 50 states and um, federal law that understand upskirting and that it is bad. Um, but <laughs> I would say that worked out. That was ideal how quickly that went through because uh, people could understand, oh, women, oh, okay, I know a woman, but when I'm trying to um, talk about Asian inclusion, people are like, I don't understand, I don't care. So it's not going through this four-step this four process as easy as it should. Yeah, no, and it's you know, the, first of all, thanks for enlightening me about about uh, you know the upskirting, uh, you know, laws that are that are taking place in uh, in Japan, and you know, and you know this this is something that we need to be aware of, especially uh, in North America, because I've, you know, in Canada, I've never heard any any uh, municipality or or the country as a whole or even the province uh, mentioning this. I mean, you know, we talk about various aspects of uh, gender equity um mm. but yeah i mean but if it's not shown in, if it's not displayed in the laws uh then yeah it's you know then it's going to continue to happen unfortunately mm. yep. right? so so yeah no but thanks for thanks for making the audience aware of this uh, and so 
you know, as you're talking about Asian inclusivity and this, the work that you do, so let's go more into detail about, you know, what does an Asian inclusivity speaker talk about? What are what are you all about, basically? So let me start with the problem, because in, in order to raise awareness for Asian inclusion, well, what's the problem? Asians, they don't experience discrimination, do they? They have good jobs. Yeah, the people at my work, they all have good jobs. So therefore, and I never hear any complaints from them, so they're all good. So that's the common um, idea of like Asians don't have problems. And, and we do, we're, we're being hated on. And if you look at diversity, equity, inclusion, um, you know, IND, DNI, all, all the things. And if you were to Google up um, diversity panel, like what you'd pull up, you'd, you'd pull up faces and there'd be black faces and some white faces and some gay faces, but you would not ever see Asian faces. And that is very standard, um, mm -hmm. at least in America, that's what I see. And I am glad to see black and LGBT faces there, but Asians also need to be included and all the topics also they do not include it's like anti um, your own check your bias and let's look at um, black folks and lgbt folks but it's it's not accessibility it's not asians it's not indigenous so uh, we need to be included too and even just looking um in america so we have black history month um most companies know okay george floyd okay we better be at least performative and celebrate black history month mm -hmm. in pride month i think people pride is very popular to display rainbows and everything so at least they're performative on that um for asian americans so may is asian american native hawaiian pacific islander heritage month and so people are not even really performative on that so in terms of people are not even performative yet. I would take performative because you have to be performative first before yeah. we go further. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think about Asian Americans, how it's the forgotten group, you know, it's, it's overlooked. And, um, you know, many of us don't feel safe, like once we walk outside um, and we, some of us have to simulate so hard, um, can't be our authentic selves, and if you as an as an employer want to recruit and retain Asian American Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders or anybody in your respective countries, if you have a white country, you're trying to recruit anybody of Asian or Pacific Islander descent, well, you need to be more culturally competent. Um, and, you know, looking at just recently, um, I, I keep up on news, not up to the minute, but probably up to the hour. <laughs> and so, you know, with the world with the world world population you know 60 percent asian and that's just that's just asians in asia so that's not the rest of us who are spread right. out around the world uh, but with india um just moving forward with 1.4 billion more than you know that's now you have china and india both at these high numbers um you might want to start paying attention to asians um and in america so in 2045 it's going to be more than 50% people of color. And mm -hmm. I'm in Seattle where it's very tech, um, tech oriented and across the pond where mm -hmm. Microsoft is, um, it's 50% people of color already. And in Redmond, it's 38% Asian. So, mm -hmm. wow, you'd think that companies would see the benefit. Okay, so this is the population is growing at the fastest rate, has the highest levels of income, highest levels of education, um, the fastest growing buying power. And so in America, in the last 20 years, the buying power has shot up 
um, with Asian Americans, 314%. Mm -hmm. So there are these business reasons, Andre, where companies should, yeah, we'd like them to do the right thing, but hey, there's financial reasons too. Yeah. yeah. And that's the whole, you know, you know, as much as I hate to say there's that, uh, you know, the business case for diversity, because it goes beyond just a business case, it becomes reality. And, you know, on past conversations that I've had, where yeah. I talk about, number one, to your point about the global population and the population within the US, and maybe, I don't know how many years after that, Canada will have the same, uh, the same, uh, uh, the same issue where it's, where yeah. it's like the majority of people that's why we're that's why I've started to have that conversation yeah. about we should talk about the global majority because that's who's coming up and that's who we've we've left out instead of talking talking down to us as yeah. visible minorities or the minority population right and yeah. that's something that and that's something that that you know and you know we'll get the defensiveness from 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 the white people because of that because they don't want to be you know because they 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 feel that they're going to be uh you know downgraded and, and hated against and whatnot but this is not it this is about first of all it's about the reality of what the world is at this moment and what it will be in the very near future 2045 is you know yeah. fine it's another 20 something years but at the same time it's not that far away that's a generation but, i mean I, I just it's when i go over to bellevue which is not that's the rich side of town i'm yeah. not over there i hardly leave my house actually but i i just look around i'm like oh where am I? Wow, it's and it feels so yeah. safe here. And it's just, um, it just it's a different feeling. So the idea, um, you know, friend up, friend up with with yeah. non white people, you might you might want to do that and learn how to how to do that. And that's, you know, as Asian inclusivity speaker, that's mm -hmm. what I do. I train mostly um, the not, you know, the dominant culture, white folks to learn about Asian American, Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders, who are they? Where do they live? What are their yeah. values? Um, what's yeah. important to them? How can we include them? And, and by the way, finding out, um, like you can learn a lot from Pacific Islanders. Wow, they're living on this remote island and they've learned how to do things and, and be more resourceful and how to build communities. Well, if you wanna build community um, in your organization, Hey, maybe look at a at communities who've already done that, and so there's I, I share with with um, employees like how to create this, and that you know talking about race and ethnicity doesn't have to be painful, it doesn't have to hurt, it doesn't have to be wildly uncomfortable. So I try and um, make it a gamify it. My my line of work is working with usually white folks in technology and C suites. And so gamifying it is a good idea. And it's also easier. I, I bring in like pop culture, um, maybe name that tune and things that they can relate to. So we're relating to that nostalgia of, oh, that TV show, Happy Days, but I bring an Asian lens to it. So they're they're like, oh, they're leaning in then like, oh. <laughs> so it's, it's bringing kind of a fun aspect into it to talk about something that's, uh, delicate and sensitive and to make it a little bit easier to digest yeah so you know that's that's you know that's something that i've i've learned about you you know one of the things in in the podcast and doing research about you you've talked about you know gamifying gamifying you know and that's part of that whole whole specialization that you have as being a fun specialist and a corporate team builder um so you know as we're talking about the power storytelling as we're talking about you know your direction and whatnot. So why 
what made it, what motivated this change in direction to speak about Asian inclusion? So is there anything else you want to add to add to your story and, and, and why the direction? Yeah, um, so I have a strong uh, sense of fight. So my dad, he's Chinese and Swedish, and he was more or less a foster kid and uh, lived on the streets. He lived in Stockton, and then they didn't actually have a, they had a dirt floor and bath, like the toilet was out on the dirt floor. So I'm like, what? <laughs> because I, I grew up very privileged. And so he, and he was picked on, and then he also ran around with Mexican kids and some of them were picked on and he was always fighting, defending other people. And so I've had that sense of fight that a lot of Asians uh, didn't grow up with. So um, I, I had to do it. Um, so it kind of stems to my childhood and I grew up in many white spaces. In this picture, you'll see I'm the non-white person there in the pink. So these are my best friends, my, my posse. Um, and which is a funny name to call it, um, as we are all white and it's just a weird thing, but, but anyways, so I grew up in white spaces and the difference, um, with my experiences, I was not teased. And when you have an Asian American or actually Asian anywhere who grew up in white spaces, they're going to be teased, um, their, for their name, for their food, um, for their eyes, everything about them. And that was not my experience. And so I'm very lucky for that. Um, and so I am Japanese. I'm culturally, um, I'm ethically Japanese, Chinese, and Swedish. And I'm culturally Japanese American because I have my Japanese American uh, around me and, and living. Um, and I'm fourth generation. So I think your past two guests, I think they were first and second generation. So right. as you think about like my voice, fourth generation. So I'm not assimilating. I am. So I have to dig around to for my Asian American culture. So I have to dig for it because I'm so Americanized. So uh, with that, so I continue to be in the white community and um, as a professional speaker and fund specialist and team builder, um, working with a lot of tech companies, I'm in all these white spaces as a speaker. And um, so I'm very used to this environment. So, so that changed, Andre. <laughs> so big, big change. So with COVID, now people who look like me are blamed for this global pandemic. So with all the blaming and also all the events that I used to do went away because there are no longer physical events. So, um, so you asked, well, how did I get into doing this thing that's maybe not so fun? Um, I, I just feel like I'm called, like I had to do it. I just, I have to. Um, so with Atlanta, uh, with the murders in America of the eight people um, and six of them Asian um, Asians, the, the news is actually picking this up. The big news is picking this up, which is actually kind of unusual. And I knew that I had to speak up on this because I'm a professional speaker and um, I, I, I have the ability and each day I don't, another Asian is going to be attacked. So now being that my, uh, my network is 98% white and I'm quarter white, I do question my Asian-ness and I mm -hmm. absolutely did not, right? I mean, I didn't know what other Asians are thinking because I didn't, wasn't really in conversation with them. So I plugged in to all these Asian American networks. Um, so that's Asian American news, um, next shark, um, NBC America and, and to learning and, and also um, these Facebook groups with um, 
people of Asian descent in North America and to hear what they're saying. Well, guess what? Uh, Asians are attacked every single day. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, it, it, Andre, I had no idea because with COVID, I was taking in minimum of five hours a day, minimum of news. And I did not hear that from the mainstream news. And, and so now that I know this, okay, well, okay, well, we need the majority of people. That's my friends. I, I will just tell them and they will help out. That's what I'll do. And so I began sharing maybe six posts a day and a post, uh, like here's a post that I have, how many Asians need to die? You know, let's not beat around the bush here. Can you take a moment to listen and learn um, and show you care? So then with that, I would share a, a, a short article or video and, and share this. I know you don't know, so let's, let's, let's rise up here. I saw you on Black Lives, um, with Black Lives Matter and Pride. Let's do this. I had all faith. And, and Andre, my, my network is uh, the National Speakers Association. So this is across the world and event planners and techies and liberals. So they are already yeah. out there. So adding another cause is like, oh, they just don't know. So yeah, that, that did not work. I actually thought that, oh, is my Facebook broken? Is my LinkedIn broken? Did I post to myself? So no, it wasn't. And, um, and so I can, I continued for a while and then still no engagement. So it's, it's silence. You post something, nothing, um, and, and just continuing like that. And so I thought, well, Andre, maybe they just need to see proof of it. Cause I know the, no, the news doesn't show it. So what I started doing on my website, jolinejang.com, and there's a link that has the attacks and a little trigger warning. Um, so I thought, all right, well, I will go ahead and share. Oh, actually, let me reverse that. By the way, um, I began sharing stories before I did mm -hmm. the attacks. I was sharing stories of sometimes five lives a day um, with other Asian Americans, because how often do you get to hear Asian Americans talking with each other, not code switching? Mm -hmm. So that was what I doing, which was not effective either. So that's when I went to the attacks. And um, so here are attacks and it's daily. And I showed, you know, acid being thrown in the face. This woman is set on fire. Um, this man was stabbed, was stabbed. This other person was murdered. And I thought, okay, well now people have proof that they can actually see it for themselves. So they don't have mm -hmm. to trust me. So nothing, Andre, like mm -hmm. where's my network? I, I have a worldwide network. Um, and back then it was like 7,000 people, you know, I reported at CES and South by Southwest. These are big, huge technology events and just no engagement and where are my best friends yeah. you know the one that i stood by who was who got divorced the one who got cancer and the other one who was raped i was there for them uh they are where are they they're not there for me and they still are not there for me and uh my past best friend she's in my will and she said like you seem angry i think you should see a therapist and um, turn off the TV and just, you know, try and be happy. Don't what? get started on that stuff. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Oh God. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. So you can, and I, I, and she's, she's such a do-gooder. She's such yeah. a do-gooder. Right. And, yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. so kind and, and, and all of this. And I spoke to her every day for like, you know, our, for our friendship, we were friends for like 10 years or 12 years or something. Um, but she can't see color. She just can't do it. And, and I just, 
so I, you know, I cry nearly every day, um, seeing Asians being attacked, you know, a brick, a brick to the head. And it's not a, it's not a hate crime and a hammer to the head. What else can you throw at an Asian head? And, um, and so that was painful to see. Um, and I think it's important to see, and I continue to see it. Um, and then also, but it's that white silence, the white silence of my friends and my networks mm -hmm. of seeing this and ignoring mm -hmm. it. And just that silence is just uh, violent to me. And I lost most of my friends to silence and white fragility. And, um, you know, I, I chose justice over friendship and it's worth it. You know, it was tough to do, but it's worth it because in the long run, I want to know who's around me. Um, I don't want any fake friendships out there. And so the, the good part is I built, um, two groups and this is all, so a Facebook group called empowered Asians. So this is where I can gather those stories. So, you know, earlier I talked about, we need to raise awareness and then try and deepen people's understanding with stories. And so all these stories, these are, um, Asians who have nobody to talk to. They're, they're reaching out to Asian strangers. Like I needed, um, to be able to be heard and, and validated and seen and, now with these stories, what do we do with them? We need people to mm -hmm. listen to them. So that's where the Asian allies, that's where KG, people like KG are committed to listen to our stories and to do something. So, you know, there's a silver lining, I guess. And, and now I have 450 people in the group and I've done hundreds of presentations and interviews with lots of Asians and all these webinars, webinars, and I'm focusing on mostly the event community, event to hospitality, because these are the people who reach around the world and, mm -hmm. and can share. So that's, that's my story of going from the fun specialist um, to talking about death and murder and, and race, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of a, kind of a leap, um, yeah. but important. And I think that I'm the right person to do it because you, I, I, the things I laugh about are not normally what I would laugh about, but you, in order to survive, I kind of have to laugh at them. So, <laughs> so that's my story. You know, yeah. I'm, oh man, like, like so many things are going through my head as I was listening to this powerful yeah. story and the story that you told about, you know, moving from your fun specialist side to this. And I mean, you know, a couple of things come to mind. Number one is Asian hate is not just what happened before, you know, during Corona. I mean, and I can talk yeah. about my story where in Toronto, it still was felt the same way. You know, we get the news from, uh, from, from, you know, from the U.S. about how Trump with his, his China virus or whatever the heck it was that anyway. Yep. And it res resonated to our Chinatown where it ended up being that it was dead. One of the things, you know, even before the messaging from the Chinatown Business uh, Business Improvement Association came out, I was like, I'm going in. Like, it's not, and that's the problem is that we have a problem of generalizing, right? And that's, and this even goes back to 9-11, perfect example of yeah. Asian hate, right? It was, you know, not only Asian hate, but also, um, you know, religious hate. Right, um, you know about about the Muslim community, right? Whether it was through, you know, through TSA or through, you know, or through the through the religious communities, etc. Right? We saw this even before, but yet 
you know, was like, oh, you know, it was, it was kind of silenced, right, by that white silence. And now we're doing yeah. it again with the Asian community and coronavirus. So it's basically, it's event and media driven. And you're, you're making, and this is where the, the relationship comes in, where you're saying that, you know, as a fund specialist, right, you've seen it because it's event, it's media driven. And you're just, you're just making that into how are we, you know, and you're using the power of media through your Facebook group, through, you know, through these types of uh, venues of a podcast. And this is exactly what we're trying to talk about, right? And I'm, and I'm grateful that you have, you have raised us, provided examples, and made people aware that this is, this is the stuff that, that needs to happen. This is the work that needs to be done, um, you know, and I see it, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, even working groups that we're part of or ERGs that we're part of, right? And you've you've basically hit the nail on the head. Why aren't Asian communities more involved in this? And it's not the story of they don't want to get involved. They're the quote unquote quiet ones because of the model minority. And I hate using that term, but that's the assumption that other people use, right? And so, so these are the kinds of things that we need to be aware of and we need to hear more from you. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you're, you know, that you agreed to be a, a guest on my webcast because you're making aware, you're making awareness of this, not only in the North American context, but also in a global context, especially that, you know, Asian, uh, Asian uh, Heritage Month is actually going to be in the UK later this year. So that's even something for us to even see. And see, that's something that we, like, I didn't know about this. So, um, so yeah, so that's, you know, this is, this is something that I'm, that I'm grateful for you to uh, tell your story about and, and provide those examples. Well, I'll tell you, my goal here is pretty simple. It really is to be able for people of Asian Pacific Islander descent to be able to walk in public and be safe. I no longer walk in my nice little neighborhood or anywhere by myself. And I have reason for that. And, um, you know, my dad got a death threat. My mom or my aunt was followed for 10 minutes. I had a couple situations when I was walking because, you know, I used to do five miles a day, <clears throat> excuse me, um, for like 10 years um, and up to midnight and 5 a.m. in the morning um, in my nice little white neighborhood. But there's been so many incidents that say, no, that is not the best idea. So there's a lot of changes, but, but really it's simple being able to walk in public to feel safe and to be safe at, at also at the workplace and respected. Now in the workplace, I wouldn't say that there's stabbings at the workplace, but there's the invisible um, cuts with, you know, a thousand cuts, right? With the microaggressions and people are not aware of that. So I do a lot of training on what are these microaggressions towards Asians because they never say anything. They don't have any problems. So there's a lot of work to do and Go ahead. Were you going to say something? Sorry. No, 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 no. I was letting you finish because it's, go ahead. And, and, you know, something you mentioned, like Asians speaking up, there are, there are a number of us speaking up, um, but there's, there's plenty of them who are not. And there's lots of reasons why that happens. But I, I'll tell you, as, <laughs> as an Asian advocate, it is so hard. So, um, 
Asian America's Native Hawaiians, Pacific Islanders. So who is that? That's 48 countries, three territories. And I'm using the definition from the UN because there's a lot of definitions. Um, and there's, you know, over 25,000 islands represented. And so you have all these religions and um, you have mixed people like myself, Japanese, Chinese, Swedish, you have different generations, fourth generation. So I don't relate to a first generation, sometimes not a second generation because I'm very Americanized. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I have to study for my culture. I have Asian American culture, but for the Asian Asian part, I got to study that. I got to look into to the family tree. I have to try and get my parents to talk about their upbringing, which is, which is difficult. So what, <laughs> you know, Andre, when I, when I spoke to you a little bit before we started, I said, oh man, I just got this email and it's so maddening and it's another Asian. So it is yeah. really, there's so much self-hatred and I didn't know the word self-hatred. It's not self, like in the context that I'm using, it's not hatred for yourself it's hatred for the skin that you're in. Mm -hmm. And um, so this person who is um, part of the Asian category has a lot of self-hatred. And so she's not even the one speaking up. I will do all the heavy lifting. You can go hide in the corner and pretend you're not associated and pretend you're white, but don't try and negate me. And um, it's just, it's, it's real. Yeah, so I think I'm gonna do a whole I'll do a podcast on that, the whole self-hatred piece and how that comes out. So it is very difficult. So I focus on white people um, because with in America, 60% white, and these are the folks who really, you know, can make a difference. Um, trying to unite the 6% Asian is difficult and I will continue to empower. Um, but I really focus on the, on the white folks because that's where the, bulk is so it's 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 difficult so the simulation is real yeah and you know it, it, it reminds me as you were talking about uh the self-hatred and whatnot and you know and the other person being asian themselves there's yeah. uh you know even a friend of mine just recently told me a story where you know she's on an she's on an, an anti-racism uh committee or or working group i don't know specifically but they're trying to achieve this within a within an agency and she's and so she's south asian the person that's giving her backlash is actually east asian so yeah. and yeah. she's and she's protecting the status quo so there's yeah. that you know yeah. not only that self-help but there's also this cultural totally. safety yeah. if you will right so then it becomes you know how do we become inclusive of each other without discriminating against each other but then there's also the, the factor of you know assimilation so you know there's there's two sides to this. not really two sides this, but there's two stories with this and there's, so there's, there's multiple yeah. and because yeah. like the person i'm talking about is south asian yeah and, and See, right, totally different right, from what... right right and then but also when i was moderating these other thing i'm like okay this this the Chinese American different generation, he's, he's an older boomer. And it's like, you, you didn't, you know, as an older boomer, boomer, um, and being Chinese, you're, you're hated against you. You're absolutely hated growing up. And so your head's down, you, you're being as white as possible and you're hated on, you just move through it and you're male, you just gotta go through it. But, I, but I, what I'm saying is, Hey, these two young ladies who were on the panel, they shouldn't have to deal with this. Right. Um, 
right? Do we, do we want them also? They have different issues than you do as a 70 year old male. Like it's different. And so it's, it's really with my mom, with my parents generation, they don't share. That's not the thing you just heads down this world war two. It's like, you know, internment mm -hmm. camp, you know, they just, there's a term, and it's a Japanese term. It's just like, it's kind of what it is, what it is. I can't remember what it says, but, but it's like, it's just in the past, you know, like the war, we don't talk about it. It's, it's over. We're just moving forward. And so it's, it's really generational too. And so it's very complicated. So when I, when we are all bucketed, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islanders, all into one bucket, different generations, different identities, um, socioeconomic classes, um, crazy rich Asians to the super poor, it's like, it doesn't make sense. And we're not, mm -hmm. when we're not on these panels, when we're not included in diversity, what is going on? Hello. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, it goes back to our original point of, you know, being included on, you know, not only committees, but also panel discussions, right? And it's, and it goes beyond just the one month of, you know, as I mentioned to, you know, to, to my fellow Black community is, you know, Black History Month is more than 365 days a year. So is a, so is every other culture, right? It's beyond 360, it's, it's beyond one month a year or one day a year. It's 365 days a year and they should be, you know, each group should be included in the conversations in how we drive uh, policies and procedures and, and programs and, and all of that, right? And that's, and that's something that we like to, 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 to talk about. And, you know, as we're moving on to this, um, you know, one of the books that I, that I, that I read recently, I, I probably botched the name. Uh, it's, I, believe it's like culture between us or something like that but anyway the author is batia mesquita and you and you talked about it briefly about um uh you know the the you know the heads down based on based on the trauma that it, that occurred during world war ii and so it's an understanding of cultural differences not only within uh not within the specific countries of japan china thailand you know india but also, you know, intercultural differences as well. So, I mean, I guess the question is, I mean, does, is this an example or are there other examples that you can find where uh, there's discrimination against Asians in the global community? <laughs> well, I, I mean, COVID I think is, is the best example that I think everybody can relate to. If you're in a white community um, around the world, Asians are hated and are blamed. Um, I was, interviewing uh, a Korean American who who left America because she wanted to leave all the discrimination that she experienced. Um, and it was she moved to Peru and it was it was great for a while and then COVID hit and then she's followed then she spit on then she's yelled at. And uh, with COVID, if you're in a white country and you're Asian, you, you know, I don't know if you see it, I see it. Um, it's it's everywhere you can't you can't escape it. And America is very popular and with um you know with the past leader being so dominant and always in the news you know people are excited about a powerful man who just does what he wants so um that hate is everywhere yeah so i mean yeah i mean beyond you know one of the things i talk about is you know whether it's you know people with people like yourself or others you know the power you know is is uh 
you know, is, is, is EDI a global issue? Is it, is it just an American issue? I know there was a, a Harvard, <laughs> Business, Harvard Business Review article that mentioned that, um, you know, and, and, it was, and it was forwarded to me by another, a, a South Asian uh, person. So, you know, and that raises a point of, you know, we talk about it from the American, only the American perspective, but really this is a global issue, right? Yeah, well, I can only speak from American side and that's right. I, um, but I just, I hear from other Asians around the world and it's just very, it's very sad. So I don't, I'm not familiar with like, let's say the panels in Sweden and what happens over there. Mm -hmm. um, but I will, I do have some ideas for your EDI, DEI, IND, um, your diversity, professionals um, who work with North Americans. And, and just to, when you have your um, Asian and Pacific Islander colleagues at, at your meeting, listen, listen, listen to them, you know, maybe prompt them, um, amplify them, validate them, or, oh, um, uh, Tan said this, I fully agree. That is a great idea. I think we should do that because a lot of times, when an Asian does speak up, they're trampled over or somebody runs up with the idea or just it's gone. So that amplify, validate, um, prompting sometimes. So that's that's helpful. Um, and refer, refer. So representation is really important. Um, <clears throat> in my programs, I talk about yellow face because black face is bad. We don't do that. We get in trouble for that yellow face, but yellow face still is a thing when people, when white people dress up um, and pretend they're Asian in movies. Um, so we need representation in the workplace. So refer people, refer people to different positions, um, sponsor, um, be, you know, give some, give some advice, you know, or just sit down and validate. Um, KG, who was at Girl Scouts, um, she referred me. Um, and she, and then she did the work and validated me. You can do this with your coworkers. Um, and for for our podcast today, share this out. Tag tag Andre and I um, at you love. Look at marketing. Look at your marketing. Looking at your training manuals. Do you have Asian faces there? Do you have different body types? Um, what are the names you're using in your training? Uh, maybe you could use Rosario and Ming and Ji Young, um, try and diverse that up and normalize seeing um, non-anglicized names. Um, and also just the idea that Asians, you know, are not really allowed to be themselves. They have to leave their heritage at the door, including their name. So try and pronounce names. That's something that is in your power. You seriously could try that. I have a whole presentation about how to do that. And in the links for your show notes, Andre, I have a page about all sorts of different podcasts and articles of how important the name is. That's something where you could respect somebody. It doesn't cost any money um, to do. Um, and, and in the event and hospitality industry, I'm always looking at the speaker lineups for the conventions. You know, it's like white faces, white faces, white faces, black, white faces, white faces, black. And then, <clears throat> but, and so I make them aware. Oh, um, so I understand that diversity, equity, inclusion is really important from your values listed here. And I see that zero, zero out of 73 are of Asian American descent. Um, 
right? And so trying to make this aware. And so you, you too could also do this and then refer, hey, I know um, a couple of speakers, um, same with leadership. So there's all these things that we could do and personally add to your, your feeds, add to your LinkedIn, your Instagram, YouTube, um, add the news like Next Shark, ASM News, BBC, NBC America, um, and add Asian and Pacific Islander influencers. I have a feed too. You know, add um, color to your feed so you can kind of get a sense of what's going on. And maybe, mm -hmm. maybe you, you're a guitar player. Okay, well, add a guitar player who's Pacific Islander. Mm -hmm. You know, like like on um, what's that show, the singing one, America's, America's Got Talent or something. America's Got Talent, yeah. Yeah. So there was a, I think this one. I'm not up on my reality TV, but <clears throat> there was a young Samoan. Um, Samoan. Yeah, I think he's Samoan. No, he's a Tongan. He's a Tongan from Hawaii who is priced out of Hawaii. He's 18 years old, just lost his father. And then he moved to Seattle because he could afford it here. And he was just on there. And I'm sure there's probably some stories about him. So it's like, you don't have to be very academic, add pop culture. So there's a lot of ways that you can educate yourself, but also by doing that, you can help in your organization to make these small changes to make it a little bit more welcoming. Because for your company, if you mm -hmm. want to recruit this fastest growing population, let's say if you are in um, America, then you might want to pay attention to Asian Americans. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. no, that's you know, all that we've we've discussed today is has been very powerful. It's been a you know, much of it has been a learning experience, and much of it has been like, yeah, we need to act on this, right? And I'm you know, and I'm one of those who, who do need to do that. Um, you know, and one of the things that I like to say is, you know, get, we need to talk about inclusion, real inclusion, and that's just not a certain set of cultures. It's a wide range of cultures because this is the what the global majority comprises of. It's not just Black, Indigenous, um, you know, South Asian, but there's also South Asian and and East Asian people and Pacific Islanders, right? So that's the most important part here, and uh, you know, I'm grateful to have. To have met you, got to know you, see you on on social media, and your powerful messages in in Asian inclusion. So I really thank you for that, uh, Jolene. Um, so as we close, uh, just tell us where uh, where the audience can find you uh, on the social media. Well, I'm a very lucky Asian who, uh, if you put my name in, you will find me. <laughs> so <clears throat> when I'm on these different panels or I'm listening let's say, and it's, there's all these Asian names. It's like, there are about 10,000 John Chen's and Susie Wong's and like, so Jolene Jang, uh, Jolene liked the song, Dolly Parton song and Jang, just like it's spelled. It is not Korean. Um, so Jolene Jang on all my socials and uh, YouTube, Facebook and LinkedIn. And um, I've got loads of resources um, in 30 second bites and two hour bites. And um, yeah, lots of training to be had. So please take action. We can do this, please. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Andre. Thank you, Jolene. This was a great conversation. I really, really appreciate it. And our audience will definitely enjoy it. So thanks again. And until next time, uh, for another episode, watch for another episode of Global Conversations. <laughs>